Hello everyone! Welcome to the Sumulong Baptist Church Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to join us in worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ through listening to God's Word. Good morning. Uh, welcome to our services today. We're so glad you could join us online again this week. Or if this is your first time uh, joining our services, we're glad that you're here today. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, comment in the comment section below that you're there watching with us, uh, wherever you're from, or just say, hey, I'm here, or good morning, or hello, or it's great to see everyone. We really want to know that you're watching along with us. And if you'd like to comment, amen, or uh, something else through the service, feel free to do that. Uh, we want to try to interact with you as much as possible. Uh, uh, so uh, please do that in the comments section below, okay? Also, I want to make sure uh, to say Happy Mother's Day uh, to all of our mothers. You just saw a video before my sermon started. Uh, moms, we honor you. Uh, we love you so much. And we're sorry that celebrations won't quite be the same today as they have been in the past. But please know that we are thinking about you. We appreciate you. You're so important in our church. And we want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Hey, I also want to give a shout out to all of our graduates. I know that graduation looks a lot different this year. And you're not going to have the big celebration to celebrate the achievement of what you've worked on so hard for so many years. But please know that we applaud you. Uh, we appreciate you and all the hard work that you've put in. Job well done. Congratulations. Uh, we want you to hear that from our church uh, on your graduation. If you've already had your graduation time or it's coming up, we wanted to say uh, congratulations to all of our graduates. Well, today we're continuing in on our puzzled series, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 today. I intended on going a little bit farther in the passage, uh, but there are so many things to unpack. In fact, Paul is going to give us about 27 character traits of a Christian from here to the end of the book uh, that we should aspire to, we should try to follow. It's an incredibly long list, and it gives us a lot to live up to. It gives us a lifetime of work uh, to do on our Christian life and to work on our walk with the Lord. And this is uh, one of those things, I just want to insert this. Uh, this is, uh, I want to explain the difference really quick between justification and sanctification. Justification is your status being changed from guilty to innocent. It's when you get saved. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, we want to encourage you that that's the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life, is receiving Christ as your Savior. But sanctification is that ongoing process in us as Christians where we become more like Christ. So all the things we're going to look at over the next few weeks are things that we need to work on. Hopefully we are working on those things. And uh, let's read in Romans chapter 12. I want to read uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, at first, when you read these, these are just simple phrases, short sentences. They might seem really simple, and you might be tempted to just glance over them. But they're very deep, and we're going to try to uh, dig into these and dive into these uh, of how we should live our Christian life. You know, this is a test for us how, uh, of how a Christian should live, okay? Uh, some uh, Bibles will have a title in the, in the section here, Marks of a True Believer, Okay, marks of a true Christian. So this is an opportunity to evaluate yourself, but I don't want you to think of this as a pass-fail test. 
where if I don't pass one of these, then I fail as a Christian completely, okay? See this as a lifelong calling to grow in these areas, okay? Are there any of these traits that we're looking at in the next few weeks? Ask yourself this. Are there any of these traits that are at a higher calling than where you are in your Christian life right now? Okay? You may see that you need to grow in one of these areas. If so, you won't be alone. I promise others need to grow in those same areas as well. And here's a reality check. None of us have arrived. None of us are at that plane where, wow, I'm a really mature Christian now, and I've really arrived, and I don't need to work on anything in my life anymore. That's just not true. All of us are a work in progress for our entire lives, okay? So last, last week, we saw that Paul wanted the churches in Rome to identify and utilize their spiritual gifts. Hey, by the way, thank you if you went on, on our Facebook page and went through that uh, Class 301. Thank you, Pastor Jervin, uh, for teaching that. You can still go back to that if you'd like to know what your spiritual gift is. We want you to know what that is and grow in that as well. But now we see Paul inviting Christians to go to another level in their growth. Romans 12 encourages us to go deeper, farther, and to become more like Christ every day of our lives. So let's talk about growing deeper in the faith. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the first thing that we looked at in verse 9 here. Love without hypocrisy. Let love be genuine. But what is, let love be genuine. We have to love without hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is this, you say one thing, but you do another. Hypocrisy is related to the word that we get for actor. It's faking it, okay? It's being insincere. Uh, There's a big example of this in Acts in the early church. And I think the Lord gave us this example so that we could know how serious he felt about lying and how serious God felt about hypocrisy. And that's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We're not going to read there, but you could go there to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And, and we know that Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property. They were going to give the proceeds. They told everyone they were going to give the proceeds to the church, but they kept some of that for themselves. And the wife lied and the husband lied. And they both uh, were struck dead because of that hypocrisy and because of that lying. Now, does God still, still deal with us in this way uh, regarding hypocrisy? No, thankfully he doesn't. But they seem to be the first in the early church that dealt with this in the big way. And God is serious about this issue. Hypocrisy will kill the church. My hypocrisy will kill my church. Paul starts with this trait. Let love be genuine. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be hypocritical in your love. Why would people act like hypocrites? Why would they act faked? fake? Why do we do that sometimes? Sometimes we do that to fit in. Uh, sometimes we say, uh, we say, well, yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow. And, and even in the church, that can be a dangerous thing in the church. Well, I'm just going to fit in. Yeah, everyone else is worshiping, so I'll worship. Everyone else is, is lifting a hand, so I'll lift a hand. That could even be fake. Now, I hope it's genuine in your life. I want to encourage you to, to practice genuine worship in your life. But you could also be surrounded by people that are not good influences on you. And you say, yeah, I'll just go with the flow. I'll just do what they do. Also, here's another reason why people act like hypocrites. People are fooled easily. People are easily fooled. 
Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of part of our human nature. So I want you to think about actors. I was saying we get this word from the same word that we get for actors. Um, think about the, all the movies that are out right now, especially action movies like Avenger movies and things like that. Half of those movies are CGI. It's not really real. It's fake. There's somebody on a green screen in a green suit that's doing acting, and then once you go to the movies or once you see it on the movie, then there's all these other things added in. It's not really real. It's fake. It's, it's not genuine. So this should not characterize our church. When we are able to come back to church and worship corporately, it should be something that's genuine. Our worship should be genuine. Our love for each other should be genuine. This is something right now in your life that you need to make sure that you're practicing genuine love in your life. Okay? So Ananias and Sapphira were the examples, the negative examples for us, but David is the positive example for us. He is described as a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, when Samuel is trying to figure out who the next king of Israel would be, says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees man, um, but he looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God had rejected Saul. David was the kind of person you'd say, is that really the king? Is that who God is going to choose as the king? But go with me to Acts 13, 22 also. It says, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Why choose David as an example of following after God's own heart? He was a sinner. In fact, you look at the three main writers of the Bible, uh, Moses, Paul, and David, and they were all three murderers. Why would God use someone like that? Why would God use David to teach us this example? Because David was repentant, and he was someone who would do all of God's will. He would follow after God with all his heart. You can say a lot of things about David's life. But here was God's assessment a thousand years after David died. In Acts 13 here, Paul cites him as an example. He was a man after God's own heart. David left a godly legacy despite his failures. So you know what that tells you and me? There's hope for us. There's hope for us. You might have lived a hypocritical life up to this point. There may have been times when you weren't genuine and you were fake. You know what? You can make a change. You can make a change right now in your life. God sees any hypocrisy in our lives. You and I can be fooled, but God cannot be fooled. He sees the hypocrisy that we live with in our lives. Here's another thing to think about with love being genuine. Don't accept a weak version of Christianity to say that you're not a hypocrite. You might say, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'll just live whatever kind of life that I want to live. Be genuine. You might say that I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'll compromise my, my morals. I'll compromise my life. Be the real deal as a Christian. The world doesn't need any more fakes. The world needs genuine Christians who will stand up for what's right and who will love with a genuine, deep, real kind of love. 
It's time to grow in our Christian faith. Again, during this lockdown, during this time that's been a unique time in all our lives, maybe there's been a lot of time for introspection on your life, where you've been able to look at your life and say, hey, what do I need to change? So I love using this acrostic, and I've used this before, but I want to use it again. It's J-O-Y. How can you have true joy in your life? How can you be content? How can you be at peace? Well, it's just very simple. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, yourself. Make sure that you put God first, you put others before yourself, and you love them with genuine love. You put yourself last. Love is needed so much in the church. Warren Wiersbe says this, Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body that helps all the members to function in a healthy and harmonious way. You might know your spiritual gift. I might know my spiritual gift. We might know where to serve. We might know what our talents are. But if we don't use them with love, if we don't serve with love, if we don't minister with love, it doesn't really make a difference. Let love be genuine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Okay, Paul takes us to the second thing in this passage. I want you to go with me to point number two. Abhor what is evil. Also in verse 9. This is the issue of compromising, and it has to be confronted in our lives. So, what is compromising? Compromising is embracing sin. It could be gossip, or it could be acting like the world, or accepting what the world says okay, where if the world says, well, adultery is just okay, well, then I just accept it. Or if the world says homosexuality is okay, we just turn a blind eye to that and say, it's no big deal, or it doesn't matter. It's compromising and embracing sin. Look at the second thing, though. It's also being embarrassed by the Bible's response to sin. We need to be careful that we don't apologize for God. Well, I know that's in the Bible. I'm sorry that's in the Bible, but, you know, that's what God says, so we have to follow it. Don't apologize for God. That's offensive to God. But the third thing is also, we need to be reminded of this, is we cannot use grace as a license to sin. You and I do not have a license to sin. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It's just, what shall we say then? Are we going to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So this is the idea of abhor, uh, to hate something. Uh, this is the Greek word apostogeo. It means to dislike, abhor, or hate, or to have a horror of. To be deathly afraid of something. So you may have heard in one of my sermons before, there's an animal that I hate probably above all others. I hate this, this animal. Uh, you know, I, I had a situation a few, a few days ago. I've been working out in my yard more, and I've been you know, raking up leaves and working in our gardens. And I have this area where I have some nicer plants, so I don't want leaves to pile up there. And so I was uh, planting some new plants, and I was uh, getting the leaves out of this area. And it was hot, and I was sweating, and I was honestly, I was just ready to be done for the day, and I was going really fast, and so I'm getting leaf after leaf, all these brown leaves are there, brown leaves, and you should see a picture here behind me. All of a sudden, I thought I grabbed a leaf, and all of a sudden, it was a big brown frog, and I took hold of that, and I held it for just a couple of seconds, and then I realized what it was, and I immediately dropped it. And thankfully, I did not scream like a little girl when I did that, okay? But I did let out a noise, 
and I had to take a step back and kind of collect my thoughts and remind myself that I'm a 51-year-old man and I'm going to be okay and I'm going to survive. I hate frogs. I was reminded again about how much I dislike them, how much I live in horror of them. And I know that might sound really weird to you and might sound unreasonable to you, but it's very real uh, to me. If you said, hey, Lance, go and find that frog and pick it up again, I would say, nope, no way, hende, hende, hende. I am not going to do it. But what if you paid me money to pick it up? What if you came to me and said, Lance, hey, pick that frog up again and I'll give you 10,000 pesos. I'll give you 50,000 pesos. I'll give you a million pesos. Like I said, I'm a rational 51-year-old man and I could probably pick that up for a million pesos. If you want to pay me to do that, I could probably do it. But it isn't this way with sin. We need to have the right view of sin. Nobody is going to pay you to sin. In fact, Satan is trying to tempt you to sin and he's offering you nothing but shame, heartache, and chains and slavery. That's all he offers you with sin. And we gladly give in to sin. We gladly run to it. We willingly allow ourselves to be led into temptation and to sin. And then this begins to happen. We get this attitude. It's wrong, but I kind of like it. What does the Bible tell us? It tells us, it tells us this that there is pleasure in sin for a season. Be careful. Don't be deceived. Here's what we need to think about. How does God view sin? Look at the cross. If the Father turned His back on Jesus because of the sins of the world being placed on Him, how does He feel about your sin and my sin? Your sin separates you from God. If you're listening to this and you don't know if your sins have been forgiven, if you don't know if you have that relationship with God, you need to ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and be your Savior. But Christians, maybe you have allowed sin to creep into your life. We need to confess that. We need to repent of that. Have I been too tolerant of sin in my life? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Have I been too tolerant of sin. Look with me at Psalm 97, verse 10. It says this, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. Abhor it. Have a horror of it. Be in horror of it. Be afraid of allowing sin to creep into your life. Let me ask you a question. Do you love the Lord today? Can you say amen? Can you type amen down in the comments section down below? We love the Lord, amen. We love Him for all that He's done for us. But can I ask you another question? Do you hate evil? As much as you love the Lord, do you hate evil? Again, this is a phrase that's so simple. It's so short. You're, if you're not careful, you'll just glance over it. Abhor what is evil. But let's go on to point number three. We need to hold fast or we need to cling to what is good. We're still in verse nine here. But we need to attach yourself to things that are good. Having a good attitude. Uh, being involved in ministry. Serving. Being a blessing to others. Having genuine love. Those things we've already talked about. But this is the idea. It's the attitude of being in desperation, holding on to what is good, seeking it, uh, pursuing it. If you and I went up into a plane and we went skydiving, uh, I promise you, you would have trouble getting me out of the plane. You know, that little, that little door that you jump out of the plane, I would probably hold on to that till my last fingernail, okay? I would try to cling to the doorway. I might try to cling to you. I also don't like heights, by the way. You can tell that from the story. But 
we need to make sure that we cling to and we hold to the right things. Okay? What is good can slip away from us so easily. So here's a question. Another question for us. Will we follow the world or will we go against the flow and will we follow Christ? You know, there's an incredible example of this in nature in the fish, the salmon. You know, um, salmon start out upriver, start out their lives in batches of eggs. They start out in about 3,000 eggs that are laid. Okay? Only about 810 of those will hatch. Very few of those salmon will ever make it to the Pacific Ocean. But they're spawned in a river, in a pond, or in a lake, and then they, they make their way to the Pacific Ocean. They'll live anywhere from 7 to 10 years, and they'll grow to maturity. And by that time, they're probably, they could be up to 1,000 miles away from where they started. Okay? But now it's time to head back home. The ocean isn't really their home. It's upriver. But to get upriver, it's all upstream. Okay? And we've got some pictures here, and you can see salmon in the river here. Uh, they're, they're trying to make their way together. And, and you see several salmon here. But I want to go to the next picture that we have as well. And what happens as they get closer to their home, the place that they respond. And by the way, the way that they get there is through their sense of smell. Uh, there's even, scientists think there's even electromagnetic things that they follow. And it's pretty incredible how they make it back home. But once they get up those, those, uh, those uh, streams that are slow moving, they make it to waterfalls. And they have to actually jump up to 12 feet up waterfalls where they go against the flow. Tons of water are rushing past them. Everything is going to the Pacific Ocean, and they swim against the current. They swim against the flow. They swim against those waterfalls. They have to exert a lot of effort and force to make it back home. They have to do that. What they're doing is almost impossible, because as the streams get smaller, the water rushes faster. It doesn't get easier as they go. It gets more difficult. They have to go against rocks, against logs, against these waterfalls. And, and you see this picture of this, this uh, salmon trying to jump. And if this wasn't hard enough, along the way, there are predators. There's another picture I want to show you here of a salmon that's doing its best uh, to jump up the waterfall. But what's waiting for it is a bear. That bear wants to have that salmon for lunch. There are bald eagles that, that hunt uh, for these salmon. There are fishermen that are waiting to catch these salmon. And out of those 3,000 eggs that are laid, only one or two salmon from that batch ever make it back to spawn, and then they die, and then the cycle starts all over again. Have you ever felt that your life is a little bit like that? Do you ever feel that that's what your Christian walk has become? that it's all uphill, that it's full of opposition. See, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we do, or we should, go against the flow. We are like fish swimming upstream in this world. That's how we are. The tendency is to go with the flow and not fighting to go upstream. With a sin nature, it's easy to give in to sin. And this seems to be more dangerous the older we grow in our Christian life and the longer we go in our Christian life. This seems to get more difficult. Have you ever noticed this? That when a new Christian gets saved, they're on fire for God and, and they're growing and, and nothing seems impossible to them. 
But for older Christians, we become tired. We let our guard down. We can become bored in our Christian life. And before you know it, Satan creeps in. I know we're, we showed a picture of a bear here, but the Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is why living the Christian life is not always easy. You know, why is it that in order to surrender to ministry or do things for the Lord, we need like 10 confirmations to do that? Okay, I'll keep praying. If God confirms this and he shows me this and he speaks to me in this way, and if he speaks to me in my devotions and if he speaks to me through the sermon this week, and then I'll pray about it a little bit more and then I'll serve. Why do we need 10 confirmations to do that? And it's so easy for us to join a basketball league. Hey, you want to join this basketball league for the next 10 weeks? Sure, I'll join that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the team. Sure, no problem. Or someone asks you to, shopping with, to go shopping with some friends. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. We don't need to pray about that. We don't hesitate to do that. Or, or, or if you think about during this quarantine, yeah, should I binge watch six seasons of this show? Yeah, sure, no problem. I'll commit to that. I'll watch that show from start to finish. Yet to serve God seems so hard to us sometimes. Look with me at Titus 2.14. It says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is one of my unofficial verses for our church. We need to be zealous of good works. That word zealous in the Greek is zelotes. It means a, purpose, a person sorry, with zealous enthusiasm who literally boils over with passion. Boy, has anybody felt like you're going to boil over this week with all the heat? You know, feels like it's so hot we can't get any relief. But as Christians, we need to be at that state all the time. We're just boiling over with enthusiasm. Uh, we're just boiling over with passion. Um, Jay Thayer says this, it's someone burning with zeal, a fire that cannot be extinguished. Having that same attitude as we did when we first got saved, that we're going to tell everybody we can about Jesus. Do you know what kind of impact that can make when we're zealous for good works? When we reach out, when we share Christ with someone, it makes an eternal impact. My uncle, uh, Billy Gocher, he'll be buried today. He died this past week. He, as a young man, he got saved. He got on fire for the Lord. He started attending a church called South Austin Baptist Church. And he started attending that church. And he's, he was living in the same city as my parents. And he invited my parents, a young couple that had just had their first child born. He said, hey, why don't you come with me to church? He had a fire and a passion and a zeal to tell people about Jesus and invite people to church. I probably wouldn't be standing here preaching this sermon to you today if it wasn't for my Uncle Bill, who reached out and just with a simple invitation invited my family to church. My dad got saved. My parents got involved in church. I grew up in church. I surrendered to be a missionary. I stand here today because of one person's zeal, one person's fire that they would not let die out. I know that my uncle heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant, when he stood before the Lord. I'm a testimony to that. We need to be zealous. Zealous of good works. Living our lives with a fire and a passion that cannot be extinguished. Number four. Paul goes back to love here. Okay, Love 
one another with brotherly affection. This word, uh, a lot of times we go to the word um, uh, phileo, but this is actually the word Philadelphia, okay? And it means to do something in brotherly love. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need brotherly affection for each other. A tender heart that's not closed off. We let go of offenses. It's easy for us to forgive. It's easy for us to love. You know, we need church in order to fulfill this character trait that Paul is trying to teach us. If you're going from church to church, if you're just being a church hopper and you're going from church to church, or you just disavow church and you say, oh, you know what? Church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. How many times have you heard somebody say that that doesn't go to church anymore? Oh, that church is just full of hypocrites. If you disavow church completely, how can you practice brotherly love? You can only and best practice brotherly love in the context of the church. We need a church body. We need a church family. And we can accomplish this through DNA groups, through fellowship. It's better done in smaller or more personal groups. But we need to remember who we are as the body of Christ. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens shouldn't be an island to yourself. You shouldn't be alone. You should be together in community. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That means as, as parts of the body with joints and ligaments were brought together. And again, we read that quote from Warren Wearsby earlier. It's love that helps bind all this together. Last week, I asked you to reach out to 10 people. I took on that challenge times 10. I tried to reach out to 100 people this last week. It wasn't easy, I'll be honest with you, okay? We need you to help reach out. If we would all reach out to 10 people, it would share the load. It would make the load uh, lighter, okay? We need that, though. We need you to reach out to somebody else this week. We need you to reach out with brotherly or sisterly love in our church and outside of our church, too. This is the time, this is the time for the church to rise up and to reach out. We'll be doing this again this week, by the way, by reaching out with food packs. If you'd like to help with that by donating and bring, or bringing food by, you can do that. And you can help us be a blessing to those because we don't want to just get stuck at our homes. We don't want to just get stuck behind these walls. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's a lot to do right now. We need to make sure that we show brotherly love in our church and to those outside of our church as well. And then number five, the last thing I want us to look at today is to outdo one another in showing honor. This is in Romans 12, 10. There at the last part of that verse, but this is opposite of the world. The world says, lift yourself up above others. But in the church, the idea and the thought here is to lift others up above yourself. It's to lift others up above yourself. Galatians 6.10 reminds us of this. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
I want you to read another verse with me, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I was, I was thinking about this verse, and I was meditating. I want to encourage you to meditate on this verse more than any other verse that I've given you this week. I want to read it again. I want to emphasize some things in this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What are we learning through all of this that we're going through? Are we becoming more like Christ? Are we listening to the words of Christ? Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus will take the burdens that you have right now. And Jesus says this, and you will find rest for your souls. Learn to be like Christ, gentle and humble and lowly. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. Again, look at point number five. Outdo one another in showing honor. That, my, that means I lift you up above me. That means I put your needs above my own. That means I think more highly of you than I do myself. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do we live a 50-50 rule in our life when it comes to this? Well, if you treat me good, I'll treat you good. If you treat me bad, I'll treat you bad. The idea here that Paul is trying to get across to us is give honor no matter what, even if it's not deserved. I think this is hard sometimes. I think this is hard in the world that we live in right now when decisions are being made and we don't understand them. How can we honor that person? How can we honor those people? The Bible says, outdo one another in showing honor, even when it's not deserved. You know, this depends on the person, doesn't it? It depends on the situation, but most of all, it depends on you. So you can take on an offense, you can be upset, you can be mad, or you can show honor. In the church body, we need to show honor, respect, and value to those around us. We need that right now. People are discouraged. People are lonely. People are hurting. We need to show honor. So we looked at five things today. Which of these areas do you need to grow in? Love, real, genuine love, Philadelphia love that, that loves like brothers and sisters. Do you need to hate sin? If it's time to repent, repent. Give it up. Cling to what is good. And show honor to your brother and sister day. Maybe you need to show honor in your home. Maybe you need to show that to a friend. Maybe it's somebody in this church. I, I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I know this of myself. We've had a lot of time to sit at home. We've had a lot of time to evaluate our lives, to evaluate what we're going through, what we've been through, what is life going to look like after quarantine. What an incredible time to look at our lives and say, what can I do better? How can I improve? Again, this is, I don't want you to look at this as a pass-fail test. I want you to look at this, at this as I'm getting closer to Christ and closer to Christ and closer to Christ with every step. And remember, this world is not our home. We don't give into the world. We don't go with the flow. We go against the flow. And this is not our home. We're making our way to our eternal home. We need to make sure that we honor the Lord along the way. 
Do you need to experience the love of God in your life? Do you need to receive him as your personal savior? You can do that today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Hey, if you're listening to me and you don't know love in your life, you don't know forgiveness in your life because you've never experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ, let me tell you some truths, my friend. Salvation doesn't come through religion. Maybe you've tried to follow religion your whole life. Salvation doesn't come through a church or through a religion or through religious acts. It's only through Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much, he willingly laid down his life to save you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on him right now? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Just repeat these words. Mean them from your heart. Pray something else if you want to, but just give your life to God. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want you to be my Savior. Please save me today. Please give me eternal life. I want to pray for all of us right now too. Lord, we look at a list like we've seen today, and Lord, we know we fall short in some areas. So Lord, help us to become more like you. Help us to live lives that are worthy of the calling that you've placed on our lives. Help us to go against the flow. Help us to love with a sincere and genuine, real love. A love that's needed in the church. A love that's needed in this world. Lord, help us to show honor to people even that have hurt us. Even that we're so against. Help us to learn from you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the truth and power of your word. It has cut to the very heart of us today. I pray that we, re we would respond as you've spoken to us. Help us to grow in these areas. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you again for being a part of our service this week. Uh, we've got daily devotionals each day, uh, Monday through Saturday. We've got Bible verses we're putting on, different videos that we're putting on. We just want to help stay connected with you. But we want to tell you uh, some ways that you can be involved. And let me just say a shout out to everybody that's had, that has been able to give. Thank you so much for being faithful in your giving. I know a lot of you have written me and said, Pastor, we can't get out of our house. We can't give right now, but we're saving up our tithes. Thank you so much for that. Hold on to that. And when we can meet again, you can bring those in. But I want to be honest with you. Some weeks, uh, we've had very little come in. But some weeks, we've had bigger offerings than we normally do. And that has really blessed me as a pastor. So thank you for your faithfulness. You'll see a slide on our Facebook page again. gives you the ways that you can give. There will be people here in the office uh, most of the time on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you'd like to drop offerings by in the mornings, uh, you can do that. And uh, just thank you so much for your faithfulness. Also, again, to all of our mothers, we want to say Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for the blessing that you are in our families and our church. And we hope that you have an awesome day in spite of everything. We'll be continuing on this series uh, the next couple of weeks as we continue in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 11 next week and verses 12 and 13 uh, the following week. But thank you again for joining us. We pray that you have a blessed week this coming week. And we'll see you soon. God bless you. Thanks for joining us in this week's podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. God bless.